Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. It is Black Friday. Maybe you're out getting in the mix, shopping, buying those Christmas presents. Maybe you're visiting your local LCS. That's what I hope you're doing. Today, I've got two guys who run one of the most important card stores that we have going in our hobby. That's Ryan. That's Rob. Father and son combo. Burbank Sports Cards. Love everything they do. Always. I had to bring them back on right around Thanksgiving to talk about the store, talk about this year talk about what's on their mind. If you like what I'm doing, hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend that you're enjoying Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to the podcast. I am excited. If you're listening to this on launch day, uh, it's Black Friday. Hopefully you're uh, out visiting a local card shop in your area. And so with that being said, I know... uh, I felt like I had to bring someone on who uh, has a card shop and who better than the card father himself, my man, Rob Varis, owner at Burbank Sports Cards, back on the pod again. Rob, happy holidays. How are you? Uh, things are well, man. Just kind of taking stock of things. You got Thanksgiving. It's not just Black Friday week. And kind of had a conversation with uh, Jim Beckett this morning, and he was interviewing me, and he goes, Rob, what are you thankful for? And it was a really interesting question. And, uh, you know, Black Friday's coming, but it's been such a year, such an eventful high and low year. And I think it's a great question for everybody out there. And, you know, just everything's great. Um, We're busy. The family's good. Kind of trying to kick ass, take names and keep, you know, pushing the envelope of what the hobby shop's supposed to be. And I'm excited to be on with you. Awesome. Yeah. it's good energy. I, I'm honored that uh, you've spoke with uh, Dr. Beckett and now me. I feel like I should have been the opening act, but I guess people <laughs> listening won't won't really uh, know the difference. Um, may, maybe we start there. Um, just on, I know a lot has changed in in the Burbank landscape. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about just the new store. I think when we spoke last, you were going through the process. Maybe you just secured the new location. So maybe share some perspective on new new shop, uh, how your customers are enjoying it, new things you're doing. Yeah, um, this is our fourth retail location um, in the past 32 years. And uh, this is the biggest and the best one yet. Um, when we talked last, we were at the old store, which was a seven, we still have it actually. It's a 7,500 foot facility that's basically made for e-commerce. And its showroom was smaller than the store before that. And It suited everything just fine um, until the world went to hell and the business changed forever. And we'd look at the store and we were dark for 10 weeks. And it was like the most surreal thing. But when we reopened it, literally, you couldn't keep more than 10 or 11 people in the store because of the space and COVID and the social distancing. But we'd have 25 people out the door waiting to get in where we had the situation, which I never thought I'd ever say these words. but 
excuse me, sir, if you've been here for about 15 minutes, we have to rotate you in. I got people in line, get back. I mean, just in what world would you have that conversation in retail? And so we realized that we needed another building. And the first thought was, okay, we've got 7,500 feet. Now we want to look for about a 12, 13,000 foot building. Those don't exist on major boulevards in a city. You have to go to an industrial park, which was not what we wanted to do. So we're looking at buildings around Burbank. Nothing's cheap. It's just like anywhere else. But then this one came up for a lease a block from us. Literally, I just ran back here from a block away. And it was 3,800 square feet. The floor plan was perfect, big, wide open space. And we'd be able to go back and forth um, between the warehouse and here. And when we designed it, there were five offices and a kitchenette, and actually seven offices. We got rid of the five offices and we got rid of the kitchenette. So we have this big ass open space. And we're like, well, how many showcases can we put in there? And we did the math, we did the layout. We got 33 showcases in this joint and it doesn't look crowded. And we basically, the exciting thing, I think a lot of guys are experiencing this as well with their businesses, their new businesses, um, especially is you get this blank slate. You get this, I'm going to reimagine what the hobby shop's supposed to look like. Anything that's legacy, that is what other shops have done in the past. You have to have this section. You have to do this. This is expected. No, no, not going to happen. It's, we're going to be focused on what the customer wants right now. And I think that's really important. We're going to put ourselves on the other side of the counter. What's the expectation when someone comes in the store? And the expectation was we needed to have something for everyone. It needed to be clean. It needed to be well lit. It needed to be mom friendly. I think at the end of the day, the most important thing that we need to take into account is mom, girlfriend, wife. Because if they're happy, people stay longer. If they're happy, they share it on social media and tell their friends. And if they're happy, everyone's happy. And we built a place where mom can chill and be comfortable. And we got a couch. We have chairs. We have TVs going. It's bright. It's friendly. And um, so that was a big part of it. Um, we have this room that when we walked in, we're looking to the left. And it's this huge room. It was a conference room. And it's got it was glass and wood floor. It looked awesome. And we're looking at it going, what the hell are we going to do with that? You know, it didn't really fit into our plan of a big, wide open space. It was kind of behind this glass was something else. And you're like, you know, should we just make it a lounge? Um, should we just put high-end showcases in there? And then I came up with the idea that we're going to create 600 double shoe boxes in there. You could walk in, you've got tables and chairs. You want to grab the Damian Lillard box, put it on the counter, buck, buck and a half, whatever they are. It holds about 220,000 top loaders. And it's crazy. And so that was the big idea. So the three months ahead of moving, that was a big project because a lot of it was during summer. The kids got out mid May. We moved mid-July, and that was a big project, and uh, got that going. The showcases loaded. Just anything you can want, all price points. Um, we got, um, let's see here. We got slat wall that, I don't know, it's like 50 feet of slat wall. I think it's five or six levels, so a tremendous amount of capacity. There's no more handwritten signs, post-it notes. None of the stuff that's in a lot of card shops, it's clean, computerized signage. Um, we, we took a lot of care with everything. It didn't skimp on anything. We knew that we were going to be here a while, 
and that there's a new expectation. And we wanted people to walk in the new store for the first time and go. I, th- I think just anyone who's following Burbank sports cards on IG feels like they're there. Like you talking about all those different things, just from being on the other side of the phone, um, I visualize, and I think a lot of other people to have too, which is um, awesome. And I know uh, I see Ryan jumped on um, and I, you talked about the sh- what's in showcases and what people want. Um, I'd love to maybe ask Ryan a buying question, but before I do that, maybe talk about just like, the fa- I think it's a cool dynamic, the father and son relationship in a shop. Like, Rob, what's that like working with uh, Ryan doing business, uh, growing Burbank sports cards out on a regular basis? It's funny because uh, there's actually three generations here. My father is here as well. And uh, it's, it's a real dynamic when you got three generations going at it with three different experiences, you know, from de- different decades. And we're, we all have these unique skills, which are really cool. My dad is a tremendous businessman, infrastructure guy. Everything you see built in this place had his hands on it. He runs circles around us. Um, I'm more of the forward-facing guy, kind of the personality of the business. And I don't think anybody out there has more hard knowledge uh, than me, just from decades of everything going through my hands from all four sports going back 100 years. And then You've got Ryan, who speaks the modern language, which is a skill into itself. It's literally a different language than we've spoken in the past. Um, very business savvy, um, can handle the biggest deals, and knows how to, to buy things in situations where you're not just having a suburban coming with all kinds of boxes and sets and things that used to happen. Now it's black boxes. And black boxes is a special skill set, wheeling and dealing, people trading up, store credit, cash all those different things. And he's very good at that. And plus he runs the business side of, uh, as well. I don't deal with checks and payroll and all those fun things. He takes that on as well. So um, it's an interesting dynamic. We argue a lot. It gets heated. They gang up on me, which isn't very nice. And um, usually it's like 50-50 who's right. And whoever's right will rub it in the face of whoever's not. So there's always that. So uh, for the listeners out there, um... Ryan is a busy man. I, I'm watching him as Rob is talking. He is going to work siphoning through cards. Ryan, before you hopped on, your dad said that buying is a skill. I think anybody out there following anyone on Instagram who comes into Burbank always talks about getting in the buying process with you. Um, maybe touch on that. Just like what is buying like at Burbank? What is the process like? Paint a little picture for anyone listening. Sure, sure. So buying, until recently, we never had a clear process for buying in place as far as I'm going to bring my cards in and what does that look like from a seller's point of view? So uh, I think maybe two or three years ago, we really painted the picture of this is how easy it is to sell to Burbank. Before that, it was it was never that easy. You kind of had to know Rob or you kind of had to know someone inside and you know you could bring your stuff in but it it was going to be it was going to be maybe difficult well we kind of changed that to a point where anybody can bring anything in you're going to get treated like you've been a customer with us forever and we're going to give you a fair quote on anything that you want to bring in and i look at it from like i'm like how i would want to sell cards to somebody is how is how we buy so it's very transparent 
Um, and it, it is an art. It's, it's not all just numbers and comps and percentages. A lot of it is how are you feeling today? You know, how, how are, you know, what, what's, what's your plan? You know, what, what are you, what do you, um, you know, what do you, what are you here to do? Are you, are you here to cash out, you know, on a hundred different high end cards? Or are you here to sell me, you know, one or two, um, nice cards, or are you here to sell me 50 or 60, you know, cheap cards? So it's really gauging how the customer is feeling that day, what they've brought with them. And, um, and then we go from there and then it's just, it's just numbers after that. And, uh, once you've dealt with the same people multiple times and then you kind of have a gauge on, I know what to expect here. He knows what to expect here. It's going to be real easy. You know, we've dealt five or six or seven different times, no problem, but it's the guy that comes in that you've never dealt with. And he's got a black box with him and he's got cool stuff with him. And I want to buy it. I have to gauge, does he want to sell it or does he want to trade it? Or is he just here to show the stuff off to me, which is also fine. Um, but it's really just getting a gauge, a gauge of the customer that walks in and um, figuring out how, how either easy it is going to be to do a deal or hard it's going to be to do a deal. And then I kind of allocate that time in my brain. This is what he has. This is how he's feeling. This is how long the deal is going to take. And every single one of those factors factors into the number that we spit out at the end of the deal um, as far as a percentage standpoint or, or a dollar standpoint. It's It's never the same. It's never... No, no two deals are the same. So it's really always in, super interesting, but we try and make it very, very friendly, very easy to, even if you're not going to sell us stuff, you, you just want to give us the chance to buy something. And if it's not going to work out, we're going to split as friends and you can come in, you know, the next day with, with more stuff, or you can come in and trade with us or buy a sealed product from us. It's not going to be the end of the world. Uh, we don't really hold grudges or anything like that. It's it's more of we just provide an open space for people to bring stuff in, and if we can buy it, we'll buy it. And if we can't, no problem. You know, we'll 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 move on as friends. Hey, Brett, to piggyback on what Ryan said, um, black boxes and comps and all those types of things are that's what people consider as buying these days. And there's a lot more that comes in. I just bought a fifty thousand card deal that was. 70s there was unopened product there was nothing basically that you would comp individually and those deals are tricky um you're dealing with people's possessions you're dealing with their memories you're dealing with their expectations as well and i think ryan will speak to this as well i someone comes in with 100 slabs you don't want to sit there and go down that rabbit hole and price 100 slabs if this guy's you know not serious or the numbers that you're quoting don't work and so a lot of times we'll take 10 cards and we'll do those 10 cards and say, hey, look, this is where we're at on those 10 cards. Is this a cool? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll pay them. And then we'll do the other 90 cards. This way, you know, your time's valuable. We got three guys that buy in here, Ryan, myself, and Ray. And, you know, to spend an hour and a half with somebody and not buy a deal because you could have saved an hour and 15 minutes of it, you know, it's, you know, you just you kind of have to cut that off. And uh, considering what we own, we have 42 million cards in inventory and we've got thousands and thousands of slabs. So I think we're, I think we have a pretty high percentage rate as far as, you know, buying goes. Yeah, definitely. The, the goal, the goal is the percentage rate on deals sure. that come in that, that we can buy. The percent, and that's how we kind of tailor our buying experience. So we can up that, up that percentage. Cause we want to buy everything that comes to the door. Sometimes you just can't, but the goal is to be able to convert those customers that are looking to sell things um, and be able to buy from them so they can either spend the money in the store or, or they'll bring back more stuff next time. 
Lastly, Brett, then I'll let you get to the next question because I'm more wordy than he is. Um, (laughs) Basically, our customers are distributors. And that's kind of the way you have to look at things is a distributor is someone that brings things into your store that you could sell for a profit. And that's our customers because God knows our distributors don't give us jack diddly squat. So it's important um, in running a hobby shop to have that relationship with your customers and be able to be known as a place that buys cards. Too many stores that I keep hearing about don't buy. And I'm like, that's like literally turning down your distributor for product. And the ability to just bought a Bird Magic Rookie, just paid 500 for it. It's a decent looking five. It's raw. It's like I put in a case for 750 whatever. But that's my distributor selling me a box of product and me putting it on the shelf and selling it. It's the same thing. And um, I don't think enough people realize that buying it, you know, you're not buying, you're dying. And um, you need to be fresh at all times. And when people walk in our store, that's the thing they marvel at. They're here five, six times a week because they know they're going to miss something because we just bought it and just put it out. So, so I don't want to hop off the buying quite yet, but there's a couple more because I know people are enjoy are enjoying listening to this conversation. When you you mentioned you've got, I think you said 32 showcases. Um, you got you got to have a pulse on what the customer wants that they're walking in the door. What is the regular cadence and communication like between Ryan in the back and uh, people coming in with? Uh, cards that they want to sell and you like on a day-to-day or a week weekly basis knowing what's moving like regularly like how do you guys coordinate kind of emphasis on what people buy is it just gut and feel like we all in the hobby know like these cards are hot people want them or is um, there anything different and unique about how you guys are operating let me start on this one actually i'll start um (laughs) i mean we we kind of have this we kind of have this connection where we'll know what's selling. We, we watch the games. We, we know who's hot. Um, we know, you know, I look through most of our eBay offers. I look through a lot of, a lot of offers. I get a lot of emails. And if I get, if I get a bunch of emails on a Monday morning about everyone looking to sell, you know, Hey, are you, you know, are you interested in my Joe Burrows or Tua's or uh, blah, blah, blah. I'll kind of have a gauge of, I'm going to get a lot of this today. So that already puts a, um, it really, it really, brings my percentage down on something that I'm going to buy for that player. Um, just because I know there's heavy volume of people looking to sell that, that certain guy. And then you also have the people that come in and like, Hey, you know, where, where are your Herbert's at? And, you know, I'm looking for a blue ice Herbert PSA 10. Well, just by someone asking me where are your Herbert's at, that's maybe a new customer that will put a positive on the, on the amount of Herbert's that I'm looking to buy or the amount of Herbert's that I'm looking to pay on. So all that stuff contributes to like percentages and stuff like that. And then we'll use, you know, your card ladders and your um, analytics like everyone else will. And then a lot of it is just gut and feel, which is what everyone at a show would do. You know, I, I just watched this guy play on Sunday. You know, he had a really good game. I'm going to pay a little bit more on his stuff because I would like to own it. But um, on a just someone walking into the store, we have, a, we have a very simple list format where you'll get yourself on the list and then we'll, we'll subdivide it on who you need to speak to. Um, if you have a big raw deal, if it's vintage, you're probably going to rob. Um, if it's easier, kind of, um, more of a heavy volume of slabs, but it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward and simple. We'll get you with Ray or one of my other buyers. And then if it's a little bit more difficult, a little bit more nuanced and multiple things have to be looked at, I'll, I'll deal with it. So we have kind of three different, Hey, hey uh, don't forget grandpa, what he buys. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and if you have wax, you'll go to my wax guy, which is my grandfather. Who's got an Excel spreadsheet 
full of uh, that he's been building of, of all the wax and he doesn't really he's not he doesn't really know much about cards but if you need a wax price he can probably pull it up off the top of his head because he's been doing that nonstop for the past three months so so that that's my wax guy and uh yeah so we just we just divide you to where you need to go and uh we get you there as quickly as we can so having three buyers makes it really easy to where we can have three different people selling at one time for instance tomorrow morning at 11 30 there'll probably be 15 people on the list so the goal is to get through it as quickly as possible while still making sure everyone has a good experience and we're able to buy as much as possible yeah so it's, it's pretty straightforward walking in some people prefer to, to to deal with certain people. So some people want to deal with Rob. Some people want to deal with Ray. Some people want to deal with me. Some people don't want to deal with me. Some people don't want to deal with Rob. And some people don't want to deal with Ray. So just like you're getting your haircut, we'll allow you to, you can come in and, and, and kind of choose who you want to, who you want to sell to. If it doesn't matter to you, then we'll, we'll get you, uh, we'll get you with the person that, that can, uh, that's most knowledgeable in that, in that category. And I'll, I'll, uh, he, he nailed just about all of it. And I think, one thing he was kind of leading to, but didn't kind of say it was it's based on liquidity. Um, you bring in Jordan rookies, we're paying top of market. We're going to pay you the top amount of points we could possibly pay you. And you're coming in with Cam Reddish, PSA nine, you know, mosaics from last year. It's going to be a whole different story. And there's kind of a tsunami that's building in the ocean out there of submissions that are going to be coming back. And a lot of them are going to be used lottery tickets. and we're willing to take all of that stuff on um, because we built systems in the store to sell it. Also, BurbankCards.com as well as our eBay store. And one of the things that we, a couple of the things, and you've probably seen it, Brett, is we have double shoes in here set up at $20 and less for slabs, where you take a double shoe, graded box off the shelf, you go through it, and it's cards from five to 20 bucks. And we have a couple hundred of those. Then we have three showcases that are nothing but cards from $25 to $40 that are slabs. And they rotate constantly. And people, I mean, I did a video this morning showing people we're going to add about 100, you know, sub $20 cards. And we had, you know, $15, 2019, what was it? Prism, Trey Young, PSA 9, 15 bucks. I saw those. <laughs> you know, and it's like, we can buy them at 10, gun them at 15, put them straight out, no red tape, nothing just straight into a box. And, you know, it's like a feeding frenzy come 11, 11, 15, people are in those boxes. And, and that's just the fresh point. And that is what lends itself is to Ryan's buying a deal at three o'clock. Ray might've priced it at four thirty. It could be in the showcase at five, no red tape, no databasing, imaging, getting things to eBay, figuring out where it goes in the showcases. We built what's called new arrival showcases where people know, these cards are new. They last here only a certain amount of time. Then they go to our eBay store, Burbank Cards, but they're exclusive in our store first. So literally, I could take the 10 best cards from that deal I just bought, put them on my desk, gun them, and put it right out. So the guy that was here an hour ago missed them. But the guy that comes in an hour will see them. And, you know, it's, it's unbelievable how much stuff comes in and out of this place. But it's also a lot of brain power uh, being expended. And I personally, and I'm a little biased, but I do think that we've got the best team in the business when it comes to being able to bring in cards and having three experts on hand that can buy almost anything. But again, it's liquidity. You have things I can put in the case and sell tomorrow. We're paying you stupid money. You're buying us stuff that's 88 tops common. You know, it's a donation. So it can go that we won't pay anything, but we'll 
get it rid of for you all the way up to you know, the most expensive thing. And one of the things I also tell people is the labor that's attached to the cards. Now you've ripped all this retail and you have these triple shoes of top loaded, God knows, you know, Jackson Hayes, 2019 prism basketball rookies and all this crap. And when you buy deals like that, you get stuck with things. It's not like you bring it in and every single card I'm going to sell. It's not like that. It's like, that's a big mis- misnomer with people. But also, you're now paying people 14, 15, 18, 20 bucks an hour to do things. And in a lot of cases, the labor costs me more than the cards. The cards are secondary. And people have to understand that as well when you're putting on cards. I think we've gone over this. And I, I love saying this. Third, I, I don't know if I told you about the 13 steps. It's like the 13 step program of what happens when cards come in and you bring in random cards. A, it's got to be broken by sport, it's got to be broken by year. It's got to be breaking down by brand, by subset. The card's got to be put in number order. The card's got to be added to the database. The cards need to be scanned. They need to be mapped to the, the front image. needs to be mapped to the database. The back image needs to be mapped to the database. You have to price the card. You have to intersort the card into stock. You need to pull it when it sells, and you need to ship it. It's literally 13 steps. So when people come in with randomness, and I'm telling them, I can pay 300 for this bulk lot, just eyeballing it. And they're like, that's it? I'm like, dude, you could probably get twelve dollars to $1,500 doing it yourself. Individually, every single card, there's always that option. If you're looking for top dollar, if you're like looking to lay it on me, 40% of these cards might not ever sell. And the labor for each other card, tremendous. So again, the cards sometimes, are le- actually in a lot of cases, are less than the labor and the space they uh, take up. I love the uh, peek behind the curtain and the unpacking of the systems behind Burbank. Um, I can appreciate that. And I think your customers probably can uh, as well. Last one on the buying, because I'd be, I I just have to know, I'm super curious. What is, uh, and this goes to both of you, like what is the most insane thing that has come in for you to buy this year that like you saw and you just like, it wasn't normal. Like what stands out to you? That would be Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, yeah, I mean, I mean, you have, you have, you have some. I mean, there's something there for you as well. I, I mean, are you talking something that we weren't able to get, or something that we were able to get? Something you were matter? able to, something, something you were able to get. Something we were able to get. Well, I, I have a pretty good example that we we actually just sent it over to PWCC. We got it. So there was a big Brady collection purchase locally pretty recently. And there's a lot of just really stupid stuff in there that that you just don't see. So, I mean, we're talking X-Fractors, Gold Refractors, Black Refractors from basically every year of Topps Chrome, um, every year of Bowman Chrome, just a really dumb, dumb deal that we were, we had, we had the chance to purchase, uh, didn't 100% work out. So it went to somebody else, but we're, we're kind of partnering with them to take on a few things. And um, so we we actually acquired it's an O2 Bowman Chrome Gold Tom Brady PSA 10, and it's the first Gold Brady. Um, they didn't do Topps Chrome Golds that year. Uh, in 01, you have the um, you have the uh, the base, and you have I believe you have a black in 01 as well. And it's just a stunning card. Uh, we so we were able to acquire it for cash and trade. And we decided we had a few routes we could hold on to the card, uh, put it in the safe, and sit on it. We could put it on the showcase, get a tag on it, and take offers on it. 
or we could uh, put it out in the open market and figure out what, the, what, what it's worth. Because when you're valuing something like that, that doesn't sell, um, the only comparison on that card was a BGS-8 that sold on Heritage Auctions about, a, about seven or eight months ago. And outside of that, you have, you have no other indicators on what this card's worth. So we put out our best number. We really wanted the card. We were able to get it. Now, now what's it worth? And so we decided we, we sent it on over to, to, um, to PWCC and, uh, we're going to find out what it's worth. And, uh, I think in about a month, so that'll be, that'll be super interesting to see what that card does because it's, it's kind of a one of a kind, uh, you'll see some BGS nine fives pop up every now and then nobody ever says what they sold, sold it for. Nobody ever says what they bought it for very tight lipped on that card. Um, PSA 10, I believe is pop four. I haven't seen the other three. This is the, this is the only one I've seen either a photo of or, or held in hand. So that's, that's my craziest card that I've seen this year. And, uh, hoping it does decently on auction. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it should, should be cool. Definitely so cool I, to watch. So I've got a lot, of, I've got a lot of Brady listeners who, uh, who check out this show and I know they're okay. perked up, perked up on yep. that one. And I love yep. the, um, I love the uh, mentality in your listening to the buyer at Burbank sports cards uh, and you, you, some, a card that doesn't get comped out a lot, but you know, the mm-hmm. Brady market's freaking insane. And you just being yep. like, you know what? Like, let's see what the market has to say about this. Let's just go put it up and, and see what they say. Like, uh, is that, is that just like you have confidence in what's happening with Brady right now? You've got your years of experience buying, you know, that there's a li- limited and this card is limited and scarce and you don't see it regular. And you know that the Brady collectors are strong, that they're just going to be like, all right, like let's go. And you just, you just know that the end result's probably going to be advantageous for your sale. Is that kind of your, what's going on in your head when you put Definitely. it over to, okay. The biggest factor for me is I have this kind of indicator of how many people are going to reach out to me for this given card. And if that indicator goes over a certain level, then I don't really want to, it's not that I don't want to deal with the card. It's more that I, I'm either going to put the card in my safe or I'm, and we don't send things out to auction ever. This is actually the first card that we've sent out um, for auction, but it's kind of a card that I would get such overwhelming demand on that I figured I would rather send it to the experts on, on things with overwhelming demand. Um, I like overwhelming demand, but not to a level of, of that where I know I would have people really hounding me on a card like that, really trying to just, just, just dig into me on a card like that. And that's fine. You know, I, at the end of the day, if I sold it myself, I would get the number that I'm comfortable getting and call it a day. But in this case, I wasn't ready to deal with the demand on that card. I knew the kind of demand that was going to be out there for it. And instead of putting it out on an Instagram story that, Hey, look what I just got. I figured I would, I would rather just kind of let, let PWCC put it on their premier platform and, and see, and see what it does. And, you know, like I said, there's two, there's two solutions there. Number one, I put it out for auction and number two, nobody knows I ever own the card and it goes in my save. And I figured right now it's not, there's never a good time to sell Brady, but I figured I'd like to give someone a shot before playoffs roll around to pick up a really nice Brady and really not that it matters if he wins another Super Bowl or not that it matters if he goes deep in playoffs, but if someone wanted wanted to take a big gamble on a nice Brady, this is probably the one that uh, you don't see every day. I mean, you can kind of get a contenders when you'd like 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of get certain cards when you'd like. This is not a card you can kind of get when you'd like. And uh, this is going to be the one shot to get a PSA 10, at least at least for the time being, unless another one comes up for sale. So that's kind of the qualifiers that we used to uh, to decide that, or that I used to decide that I w- I'm going to I'm going to put it up for auction. Rob, Rob is more in favor of, of putting in the case, but I don't think he understands the the magnitude on, on a card like that, where we would get. I would have to sift through a lot of not that, and you know that's fine. It would be fun to sift through you know trade offers and cash offers and people coming in and and ooing and eyeing over it, but um. It's also, you know, it's it's a little bit of a liability having a card like that kind of in your showcase as well. So with all these factors, we decided that we were going to send it off to the vault and uh, figure out figure out what the card's going to do at auction. And if it goes lower than we think, that's fine. If it does what we think, that's fine. And if it goes over what we think, that's fine. So we really have there's very little downside in the card for us. Um, and I think it'll be I think it'll be a fun to watch. Rob, uh, did did Ryan have to sell you on the end result on what? ended up happening with the card or was like, talk to me about just like what was going on in your head when you're trying to figure that out. I'm surprised he even asked me, um, <laughs> it's, it's a funny story. And I just think this is gold. Um, Ryan came on, I'm going to say five ish years ago to really kind of take over the business. Um, maybe three and a half, four years ago, he kind of took ownership of the business and ran with it. But when he first did, it was kind of like, you know, if you're going to spend like $500 to $1,000, just, just check with me. I just want to make sure, you know, that we're in the right ballpark on the, on the right page. And he'd be too low, too high, whatever. But he learned, you know, through repetition um, as he got better at all this. And then all of a sudden it would be, you know, five and $10,000. And at some point I just said, you know what, don't, don't bother me. Just do what you're going to do. You're really good at it. Um, he does deals in the office that, are crazy. There isn't a day that we don't drop $10,000 over the counter. I don't think a day like that even exists anymore, which is crazy, but that's the volume that comes through here. Um, and it's a lot of it's tough. A lot of it is not comparable. You know, it's, it's hard buying and he, I'm looking, I can't find a number. I can't figure it out. Then I look at him, he's got browsers going up and down and he's doing all these things at light speed and he puts the number 1,850 on it. I'm like, I have no idea where that number came from. I mean, he might, maybe he just pulled it out of his ass and he's just kidding with me with all the browsers going up and down. But somehow he finds a number for almost anything. And so I can take care of a lot of the generic stuff. Um, and, and Ray does a lot of the generic. Ray can do some of the trickier. But when it's like, we have no idea, we just shove it over to Ryan. And, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing. It's like we tell people, we got 33 showcases of crazy and we're not manufacturers which means we did buy all this. All this did come in. We traded for it. We're pretty good at it. And uh, if we weren't, we wouldn't have a list of people uh, all day long trying to sell us cards. Uh, it's phenomenal. I hear you say a lot, it never ends. And that's constantly, like that's like, you need a T, you need a, I know you got the Cardfather t-shirt. You need a, it never ends t-shirt <laughs> that, you're, that you're wearing. Um, let's move over to content. So when I was talking with Chris from the card ladder team, he, we were just having a cover. It might've been on the podcast. I can't remember. Um, but he was like, Oh yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah. I, you know, Burbank just put out a, a new episode of the card shop. And it was like eight minutes. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I haven't seen that. And so we got off the line and I went and hopped on and I watched the episode I did last week. And I was like, man, this, this is awesome. Like 
this is very uh, snackable content. It very relate, like puts you in the card store. And I loved it. And I'm hoping there's more. So maybe like, I'd love to learn more about just like what went into that concept and idea and what can we expect on the other side of that series? Um, I'll take that right now for now. Um, basically, the guy that's doing it for me worked for me in 1993 when he was 14 years old. And he literally worked for me for four years. His brother worked for me. His son now works for me. So he's my first next generation kid. He watches my stuff on IG and Ken Golden was here. And Ken Golden walked in here with $25 million worth of cards and three bodyguards. And we did a live with it. It was cool, whatever. And Brian's like, that was really cool. But you really need to film that like with a real film company and get real content. And I'm like, I've wanted to do YouTube. It's not like I didn't want to do it. I just, me, I didn't want to do it. And I didn't want to do it with an iPhone. And it's just, there's so much else going on. And he's like, Rob, I could take care of it. And we've been doing some filming. And uh, the way he showed it to me and the way he cut it, I'm like, this is absolutely, I had no idea what the finished product was going to look like. And he's like, we're going to do this, but we're going to cut to you talking and walking us through what just happened with what we just filmed. And I'm watching it afterwards. I'm like, this is Netflix. This is something that looks entirely different. And so we launched that first one. We've got five or six that are pretty much ready to go. Um, we're probably going to go with the once a week format. We got Ben Baller was in the store and just kind of came in. I called Brian. I'm like, dude, can you get right down here? He got down here and got some great content. You know, it's one of those things that's not cheap. But if we're going to do it, we want to do it right. Um, you know me, I'm card father every morning talking and trying to educate and trying to make it fun and whatever. But it's me with the camera in front just yammering and just stream of conscience. But if we could do something that is well put together, well edited and very focused, I think people would really enjoy it. And what I'm really excited about, and Ryan can speak to this, is fly on the wall content. Ryan's office, we call it the epicenter. I mean, I've always said Southern California is the epicenter of the category. LA County is the epicenter of Southern California. And we believe Burbank to be the epicenter of LA County. And I believe his office to be the epicenter of Burbank. And there's just deals constantly raising that Ryan's going in there. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if we had a film crew in there, um, fly on the wall and see how these deals get done? Because everybody likes to gather in that room. I'm like, guys, get out. They're doing a deal. It's not your damn business. <laughs> and, uh, and they're all outside and they're all kind of watching. And it's, I think people would really enjoy how Ryan and Ray buy things and what the give and take is. And uh, we'll have some of that coming as well. And Ryan can speak further to that, Ryan. Um, talk about what your part will, will be with this going forward. So the, the content we've been doing and when our guy, the, the day one, when the guy showed up, Brian, with, uh, with his camera, he had lights in my office. He had tripods in my office. He had just stuff everywhere to put together the, the most like high quality content that, that we could. And I walk in and uh, I'm overwhelmed because I'm, I'm kind of, I'm more introverted. Um, I'm not the type of person that really wants to be on camera but I don't mind it. And obviously I, I think people enjoy hearing different insights about someone that does this, you know, 50, 60, 65 hours a week. 
And uh, I walk in and I'm, I'm overwhelmed by all the, all the stuff he has set up. So I, I told him, if you're dealing with Rob or if you're dealing in, in the showroom, like that's fine. You can do what, what you'd like to do. But if, but if we're working together on camera, I'd like you to strip it down a little bit and, and just go with a camera or two and not bring in all these lights and things like that. So we started doing really kind of low key um, where we'll film on a day or two a week and put together content of stringing three or four deals together mixed with commentary on my end about how I'm coming up with numbers, um, how confident I, I felt on the deal, um, why I was at a certain percentage. And there's just these strings of three to four deals mixed in with a little bit of commentary on my end, but very kind of, um, low production, but more high quality, um, information on the, on the card end. And, uh, we expect that to come out in probably two to three weeks, uh, probably be our third or fourth video. And, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun kind of talking about, I never really think about what I do. I mean, I obviously think about it, but I never really dive into what I do and having it on camera and rewatching it. And I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. And then I write it down. And then I tell Brian, let's talk about why I did that. Because I would never like, I would never tell anyone why I did that because I didn't think it was important, but then I'm watching the content back and something I did was important there that people pro probably wouldn't catch on to. So let's kind of go in and, and comment, comment on that and give people a little bit of more insight into, into why um, I want to be at a certain number on a card or why I value a BGS 10 here and a PSA 10 here or why, you know, just things of that nature. So that's coming probably the fourth or fifth episode, um, hoping to be like a nice 10 minute episode of, uh, maybe three or four, five different deals mixed in with commentary and, uh, cool cards coming in the office. And it's just, it's just a one camera approach. Um, maybe a second camera coming in here and there, but very low, low production, uh, more high content and, uh, just things happening constantly. And, uh, it's, it's funny. And, uh, it's, it was fun for me to watch again. And I, I figured since I did it and it was fun for me to watch, I think it'll be good content. So that, that'll be, uh, that'll be probably, uh, around Christmas, I think would be a safe bet. No, it'll yeah. be before that. And it's so funny because he's right. He's introverted. I'm extroverted. We're totally different in that manner and trying to get him on camera is not always easy, but at the end of the day, people want to see him and they want to listen to him. I'm, I'm just trying to explain, Ryan, you're the guy. And um, I think people are fascinated by deals and so much content out there. I did a deal at a show and everyone just, you know, just becomes, you know, viral. But, you know, we do we do deals all day long, seven days a week. So um, we got some pretty interesting content there, but he kills it um, as far as. Um, the dealings and I haven't seen anything that has to do with his, um, his, uh, his YouTube, uh, video coming up. So I'm really curious to see it. I've seen nothing. So I'm, I'm excited. And I think I love this and the, the mindset and the strip down in the back room and lights, camera action in the front room. Um, but so much of content is about like the end result and like, it's here we go. And it's, that's not necessarily the, the, the important part or the part that's going to educate it's the behind the scenes, telling the process, talking about the mindset, what went into that, that I think will help benefit for the hobby or anyone who's listening or watching your stuff. So I love that. I can't wait for more. I like what I've, 
I started with your videos, Rob. I got sucked into that. And so now it's on YouTube. So anyone out there, definitely go check out Burbank's YouTube page. Maybe we close out with this. I'd love to spend a little bit of time at the end of this talking about just the industry and um, Burbank's role in the industry and like how how you feel about just it, this year's been insane. Like obviously for you guys, you moved into a new shop. Um, there the the industry's changed dramatically with uh, you know acquisitions with the fanatics deal. Um, all this stuff's going down um, and. I think people turn to Burbank as just like a thought leader in the space. I think if people are saying like sports card shop, LCS, like your name's always going to come up. I'd, I'd love uh, for you to maybe talk a little bit about just like your observations with all those changes that have happened over this year. And just like, wh- wh- how do you feel your role is in the process? And like, how, what are you, uh, I guess, looking to do just uh, to take advantage of of some of the these changes that are happening? Well, I think that what we do with our content is meant to educate. It's meant to enlighten people that maybe want to do this for a living and get into it. And if we can help to grow the pie and get more quality card shops out there, it's a bigger pie, it's a bigger slice. So I think that's what my a lot of my morning talks are about is just trying to make a better category. Um, as far as 2021 goes, it pretty much began with me getting COVID. And it's just been this wild ride of just ups and downs and you know the you know moving into this new building and kind of resetting what we thought a card shop should look like um obviously the fanatics news is the biggest bomb that's been dropped on this category probably since you know upper deck joined the, the fray in 1989 and re you know reimagine what cards were like and people come to me all the time what's your thoughts on this because a lot of hobby shops are scared or they don't know what the future is going to hold. And, you know, I think the key to any business, not just a hobby shop, Brett, is to Amazon proof yourself, is to have a business where an 800 pound gorilla can't come in and replicate what you do and do it to scale um, and put you out of business. And I think that the best hobby shops out there are the ones that aren't reliant on anyone else. And the cool thing that I'm seeing in the hobby is you have all these young people that have cut the cord. This is their full-time job. They have full skin in the game, but they've never had a distributor before. They've never had an account with a Topps or a Panini, but they're, they're thriving. They're opening stores without being able to get product in. And the reason is because they're building a community, they're building events, they're dealing in singles. And when people walk in here, I can say the things in the morning that others won't say simply because nobody, I'm not reliant on anyone else but myself, my son, and my father for the success of our business. And Fanatics coming in is the ultimate game changer because it's going to blow up distribution because distribution isn't distribution. Distribution is they get 15% of the product, they divvy it out to people, they hold the other 85% back. And then charge retail for it. Then it gets to the shelves. It's, it, the ROI isn't there. And it's very disappointing. Um, with them coming on board, getting rid of that bloat is going to be, you know, step one, which I think is Josh's, you know, first order of business. And at the end of the day, they're going to grow the category. They're going to have commercials on major sports events. They are going to create sports card collectors out of sports fans 
at a rate that we've never seen before. And that's super exciting. And I think that they'll partner with hobby shops. Um, I think they're smart enough to know that quality hobby shops are their entry point to their ecosystem. And I'm super excited about it. Um, I think that they're going to rethink the category and the way that we, we rethought what the hobby shop is supposed to be. And getting back to your question, 2021, we had a store that was dark for 10 weeks. Oh, that was 2020. I'm sorry. In 2021, we had a store that with COVID, we could only keep 10 or 11 people on the floor with masks and separated. But we'd have 25 people out the door waiting to get in. So Ryan and I are saying to customers, we need to rotate you out. We need to let someone else in. And that was crazy to think that that was even a possibility. And to sit there and get into a new store, reimagine things, listen to our customers. What do they want? Create events. Our trade nights are ridiculous. Um, (laughs) They're too much. They're overwhelming almost. And they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Um, We had our first kids night last week. It was, didn't know what to expect. Had 100 kids show up. And I was just mind blown. The parents having so much fun. The kids, people were giving us donations to give out. And one guy came in with like $400 in like sealed retail product. Give this out. We had this treasure chest of stuff. Gave out everything. Just the other hand, a Zion rookie to a kid that answers a question correctly. They lose their minds. Who's happy? Mom's happy. Mom's happy. They tell everyone else. Next trade night, they're telling their friends. And my thought process is in a couple months, we won't be able to have it here anymore. We'll have to go to a bigger location because I think it's going to grow exponentially. And I think that every hobby shop should have some kind of program built around kids, whether the manufacturers get involved, distributors get involved. You know, they have National Hobby Shop Day and it's once a year and it's great. Don't get me wrong, but there should be programs going concurrently all over the country that focus on driving people to hobby shops and having kids walk out with smiles. And it was a tremendous success. Can't wait to do it again. Um, I'm having fun. I think that at the end of the day, you hear me. I'm like, I'm stoked to be doing this. And, you know, the fact that I got my son involved, my dad involved. And with Ryan, we have decades of future growth for the company where I have a succession plan where he's going to take it to levels that we've never seen. And I think that's important. I don't think a lot of businesses have a built-in son or daughter succession plan to move things forward. And uh, like I tell people, brother, just getting warmed up. Just getting warmed up. Ryan, what you got to add to that? Yeah, so Brett, I think I think maybe your question was more along the lines of um, how do we feel as, uh, as an indicator in the hobby for how comfortable we feel on like a day in and day out basis for, for buying things and how we feel as kind of like a, you know, someone that's willing to put up a decent amount of money on a, on a daily basis to keep buying things. And do, are we seeing dips that, or are we seeing things downtrend to where it's just not reasonable for us to, to want to buy anything right now? I feel very good about what we can do on a daily basis from a market standpoint. And from a seller standpoint, um, the amount of stuff that we turn over is incredible. And um, our percentages of things that we'll buy 
and be able to sell within three to four days at market price or above market price is very high. So from that point of view, there are still tons of buyers out there. Stuff's still moving very well. So we are, our gut says yes, as far as um, market health and everything like that. So we, we go in every day excited to buy, not dreading, uh, oh, are we going to have to buy this or are we going to have to buy that? It's more, we're excited to take on as much inventory as we possibly can because we're moving a lot of stuff at market or, or above market. So from that point of view, definitely, definitely bullish uh, on buying and definitely the heartbeat of the hobby is, is, is there. We're not worried and uh, we're just buying as much as, as much as we possibly can. And we, we're, we're building systems that allow us to um, actually buy more than we're buying right now. So we, we would like to, to buy more than we are right now, but we are limited by how many buyers we have. So we're, we're kind of, we're fixing that and um, which should allow us to buy even more than we're buying right now. So definitely, definitely feeling good about, about the market and where we're at right now. It's, there were times in, over the past two years where it didn't feel like it felt right now. It definitely felt like there was a bit of a, did that, did that just happen? Like from a, from a day-to-day basis and things didn't feel very good and we weren't excited about buying. Now, even though there are certain things that are more common that are trending downwards, we can kind of factor that into how we buy and really look at the trends and use the trends to, to kind of give us um, give us guidance on where something will be the week after we buy it and factor in that to our percentages on things that are just not liquid where we can still buy it, but not be stuck with it. So there's a little bit of using analytics and using data there. I'm not going to say that we're the most data focused company in the space because we're not, but the amount of research that, that we're able to do to keep buying basically anything that comes over the counter is, is good enough for what we're doing. And we track our, our sales numbers and our turnover rates and our percentages and stuff like that. And everything's, everything's solid. So I can't complain. Uh, Rob can't complain as a business, you know, we're, we're blessed as far as our staffing goes and our customers go on the buying and selling side. So yeah, our, our gut is, our gut is strong and, uh, our will to come in and buy every day is, is strong. And we keep getting insane levels of support. So we're going to keep putting insane levels of support back into the hobby and uh, buying and selling and being open seven days a week, providing trade nights and, and growing upon what we already have instead of scaling back what we're doing. We're going to keep trying to, to scale what we've been doing, even though we have been scaling for the past year and a half. A lot of people have seen what, what we've been doing. There's still a lot more that we have to scale and, and none of it's going to come quick, but we can do it at we can do it at acceptable paces that we can kind of stay under control instead of just saying, Hey, look, you know, we have X to spend and I need to spend, uh, I need to spend Y in the next three months, uh, because I need to scale faster. We we're, we're kind of more, a more conservative approach in that regards to scaling at a level that we're comfortable at and scaling at a level where we can handle demand and we can handle everything easily and not be worried about worried about things that we can't control. The the number one thing that we want to do is to be able to control everything we do day in and day out. And there's certain things you can't control. We try and limit our exposure in that regard. So we try and make sure our bread and butter is things that we can control, which is what Rob talked about, about not being able to be Amazon. That is definitely the number one priority. And that's something that I was lucky to come into. 
I was, I came into that system. And so we're, we're, we're expanding upon that system day in and day out, scaling and doing things that make it. So if you are getting into the trading card business, we're here to help you. We're here to, I'm here to buy from you. I'm here to sell to you. I'm here to trade with you. I'm here to give you knowledge, but to do something that we've built requires years of, of work and being super knowledgeable on the, on the card side. And it can be done, but we're, we're here every day. So we don't, we don't really sleep on this stuff. We, we've kind of built a system where we're here every day. We see cards every day. We buy cards every day. We sell cards every day. We have a really good kind of a beat on where the hobby is right now. And it's, it's strong. So we're, we're bullish on it overall. I think we could, uh, for another episode, dig into the market stuff from your perspective and the system stuff is super fascinating too. Guys, this has been fantastic. Just uh, look behind the scenes at Burbank Sports Cards. It is the holiday season. I'm sure people can find your stuff on eBay, uh, online store, obviously, if you're located in the Burbank area, stop by. Anything else, Rob Ryan, you want to close out with? It's Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, we're really thankful for everything that's happened this past year. It's it, it's funny. It's you don't get to see your regular friends all that much as like you used to with everything that's gone on. But just the friendships and the relationships we made in the store. Um, just so thankful that your friend base has expanded so much. Um, now we built this tremendous community and. It's never a chore to come in. It's just, I'm up at six in the morning. I'll be here at 630. I'm lucky to do what I do. And it's it's been quite the ride, but just being thankful and Black Friday's coming and who knows what to expect, but uh, we'll be ready for it. Yeah. If you're listening to this, Black Friday is, uh, is go stop at Burbank or go check them out. Ryan, what do you got in closing? For anyone out there. Uh, we'll be running a little deal on our marketplace store, like a marketplace store. So you'll be able to find some more information there in a couple of days. Um, obviously, BurbankCards.com and our eBay store. And uh, our shop will be doing some stuff on Friday. We're going to put out some more info on that. But uh, thanks to Brett for having us. Definitely fun being on the podcast. Fun just running through, running through our thoughts. And uh, yeah, that's all we got. So Big shout out to everyone listening that, that made it this far. I appreciate you guys. And uh, thanks again to Brett for having us. Awesome, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. Cardfather out. <laughs> I love talking to those guys. The stories, the passion, all of it. That was good stuff. Go check out Burbank Sports Cards if you are in the mix shopping for cards this holiday season. I know you are. Tell a friend about the show. Do all those things. But most importantly, take care of yourself and take care of others around you. I'll be back. More Stacking Slabs podcast next week. 